Hello and welcome back everybody, this is FPL Teacher here bringing you a rather brief review admittedly of Crystal Palace Nil Fulham 3 with the game over essentially after 55 minutes Crystal Palace's two red cards will no doubt make headlines but we also have to give credit to Fulham for playing their balance right and shifting a key player into a very effective position after the return of Alexander Mitrovic Crystal Palace. Their usual 4-3-3 had all the players in all the right spots, but crucially at number 9, it signaled their intent of playing with pace as Zaha led the line, which meant that Eze, usually in the left half-space role, had to move to the left wing while Jeffrey Schlup took up that crucial link between midfield and attack on the left side. So, as with most Fulham games, Crystal Palace had to deal with intense pressure coming from the forwards, but not on their back four, but on their midfield. The question comes down to when the ball is cycled towards the core in midfield, or perhaps Schlup as well as Olis. How do they progress the ball into the final third with pace so that Fulham weren't prepared? With Eze locked on the left side, it was up to Jeffrey Schlup to bring the ball in that left half space from midfield into attack and safe to say his first touch was rather well watched by Fulham's Harrison Reed, who did an excellent job of marking him in midfield. So really the question came down to whether Ayu and Olise on the right side could make inroads. Now, tactically, Vieira has pushed Ayu into several positions before in order to enable his dribblers. Even Eze has drifted over to the right flank before, just to exaggerate this advantage. So, in the opening stages, before all these red cards, we saw that Ayu could drift infield so that Olis could pull out wide. Now, this matchup, or at least this movement, proved not exactly fruitful because, number one, Ayu did not receive the ball in the centre of the pitch. Secondly, Olise on the right side just could not get past Robinson. So instead, and interestingly enough, Eze and Olise both dropped deep, essentially turning Palace into a 4-4-2 with Ayu bombing forward alongside Zaha. Now, for FPL purposes, we have to put this on monitor simply because the two red cards really changed the game for them. And without Harry Mitchell, they do not have a lot of width moving forward. So at this stage, Zaha as the number 9 still has plenty of potential, but where the service comes from will always remain an issue. Thankfully though, a crucial player for Palace's aggression among the back four, Mark Guehi, who was suspended due to accumulating five yellows, is now back in the side who was much more controlled, at least compared to Tyree Mitchell and Tomkins, who are definitely not available next game. Fulham, 4-2-3-1. High pressure in midfield had a very specific plan actually with Andres Pereira intentionally blocking simple passes from going to the Corre, forcing Palace to go mid-range in order to win the ball back. 
Now, full credit really has to go to Palinia and Reed for intentionally stifling the flow of palaces by biting in and not just limiting the ball to be carried to the center circle, but to chasing the ball all the way back to the back four. So the trigger of their counter possession, counter pressing, sorry, is that Palace back four were given license to have the ball. And the moment they played it into Schlup or Olis or Ayu even, the midfield just compressed into this front five of Harrison Palinia joined by the three attacking midfielders. So the crucial thing here is that the moment Fulham won the ball from a narrow unit of five, they spread out into almost two sets of attackers, one on the left and one on the right. William on the left side obviously had to wait for Anthony Robinson to get forward. So his output was rather sporadic, albeit getting an assist later on for Fulham's third goal. Yes. And on the right side, things were way more interesting with Bobby De Cordova Reed finally shackles released from right back, playing as a right winger. This was crucial because Bobby Reed did not limit himself to hugging the touchline. Mitrovic drifted to the right side, which meant that De Cordova Reed himself could drift in field in order to link up with the likes of Andres Pereira and Cole. Now, it has to be said that even though with a one-man advantage, we saw that Palace really did not create a lot of chances until James Tompkins was sent off himself. A lot of the XG created by Fulham were through corners, if not really poor XG, and really it relied on one moment of brilliance from William to make Palace look truly threatening because prior to that, or at least just after that Tompkins yellow card, Fulham had for eight, eight shots. Eight shots with only two of them on target. That being said, for FPL purposes, Alexander Mitrovic should be a shoe-in since he is fit. And with a double game week on the horizon, really, it's just about when he scores rather than whether he scores. Now, the question really is about Andreas Pereira, whether his involvement will be within our squads as the so-called 11th man in order to bench somebody when they have their double game week. A quick look of game week 19 where Fulham play twice, sees Liverpool play Benford, Man United play Bournemouth, City play Chelsea, Spurs play Palace, really. So the key player that you would like to bench ideally would be somebody from the Arsenal-Newcastle match. The biggest takeaway from this game is that when your starting 11 is missing one of its most crucial pieces, you can see how much damage it creates, how much, cas how much it cascades further up the field. So for Crystal Palace, Mark Guerhi coming back into the side will really bolster things in terms of their fortunes. But for Fulham at this stage with their starting 11 finally back and firing with Kenny Tete now reinstalled at right back, we can see Fulham's attacking potential definitely continue to soar. This is FPL Teacher, reviewing Everton 1, Wolves 2, up next. <laughs>